in the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may listen to podcasts. If you have a question or want to pitch something or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon that you can support for additional episodes and whatnot. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. Since its inception, heavy metal has always maintained a consistently striking quality to it. It is not just in the music alone, as heavy metal is also visually focused genre of music. Beyond the strobe lights and vibrant or macabre attire of the performers, heavy metal has produced some legendary graphic and visual imagery ranging from iconic album art to the very logos themselves. But the bombastic energy of this artwork did not fit the vibe of more underground bands, which commanded a more natural and at times more painterly and traditional feel. The subgenre of doom metal has been broadly represented by a swath of artists who each bring a unique approach in how they define a band's spirit. Today, we are joined by one who has lent his talents to some of the icons of the genre and beyond. I'm beyond thrilled to welcome David D'Andrea to the podcast, who has represented bands such as Sleep, Ohm, Windhand, Graveyard, Arthur Brown, and more with his art. So thank you. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So yeah, this has just kind of been like a, a long time uh, coming because your artwork, like I said, has graced so many notable bands. Um, but where were you before you wanted to take on artistry as a full-time career? I was, where was I physically? I yeah, mean, I uh, guess sort of like what yeah. were, you know, kind of like what led to you wanting to follow that path? I was in the Bay Area. Um, that's not where I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, actually. After high school, I went to, uh, ended up in Berkeley and Oakland. And uh, it was this kind of the scene in Oakland that really uh, got me uh, going with like just doing flyers and zines. And um, that just kind of naturally evolved into posters and album covers and everything that I do now. But yeah, it was mostly like kind of the local Oakland punk and metal scene. I guess even like before that, um, mm -hmm. what were your earliest experiences with artwork? Like what was the first thing that caught your eye that made you say you want to draw? Yeah, for sure. It was, you know, I guess very first would, very first stuff would be this, just the skateboarding world, you know, Vernon, uh, VCJ from, um, that did all the early Powell graphics and, um, Pusshead, you have to, I have to say Pusshead was my number one. Everything skate related, you know, all the logos and all the different, you know, all the graphics, especially all the skaters that like uh, did their own artwork. Just, I it was just really inspired by that as a young kid. And just, you know, that was kind of my role early on. I wasn't a great skater, but I was like doing the, you know, local skate contest flyers or the, there was a period there where people started kind of getting blank decks. So I would try to do graphics on the blank decks and stuff like that. That was the very first. And then that kind of dovetails with punk rock. And I started doing flyers and zines and doing like just a crappy photocopied zine for my whole high school career got me through because I was getting mail every day from all over the world, just personal or punk zines. Just, I don't know. I mean, it's embarrassing to look at them now, but they definitely like launched me. Like I felt like they were impetus to go to Berkeley. Like, I don't know, I didn't know anybody or anything really. So I, I just, uh, I thank the early zines for that. And just the, the sort of sense that I had, I was, that I was participating as an artist because I'm not a musician. You know, I just, I knew really early that that was kind of my role. It just, I just kind of, I guess I was right. Cause I, you know, every sort of every step along the way, that was sort of my contribution to the scene that I would be in. I think uh, Brian Mercer had somewhat of a similar background mm -hmm. and you know, he was, and I'm, I'm sure you've crossed paths with him at some yeah. point in totally. your, uh, in your, in your careers. Yep. Um, in regards to the, the artwork you were doing for this, the zines and the, and the skateboarding and whatnot, 
you know, how would you like even compare it to what you do now? Because I, I don't have a frame of reference for what it is. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not exactly what you're known for at this point in your life. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the zines were always about skating or like reviewing punk music or shows. And it, it all seems so like it's, it seems kind of obsolete nowadays to do that kind of stuff maybe, but like, yeah, they were just like personal zines and like doing flyers was, you know, I can see a parallel to the way it went, you mm -hmm. know, the way it progressed because they were photocopied, of course, but then did, you know, had a, had one screen printed and in one color or two colors, and then it just evolved from there. So the flyers are a pretty direct path um, mm -hmm. that I can see. I can kind of see how the skateboarding stuff had a commercial side to it. And some of the stuff that I do now is, is kind of similar in that it's sort of a commercial gig. And I still put all my, all, you know, my best effort, but it's more of a commercial art. So, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of uh, through lines, but maybe that's just me because it's just my life, you know? <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but the, um, doing the early sort of Oakland flyers uh, were a big sort of like, like a boost in a way because I wasn't necessarily even being asked to do them. Maybe, maybe, maybe half of them, but like they would just get noticed and people would be keeping them and, you know, they would just kind of resonate with people. And it's really important for artists, I think, to have that initial sort of like support. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but like it's, it gives you a boost to keep going. There was no money involved, definitely. You know, it was like just for the pure act of like making a photocopied flyer and going to Kinko's and like paying for the copies and all that was it was just part of it and uh i don't know like i said i just felt like i was contributing to the scene the way it evolved was just a lot of work and a lot of like determination it's like that idea of a, a scene or a subculture coming together to keep it going and by result of that it you know springboarded you into probably like a much wider uh audience and yeah. definitely uh got you the uh, chance to work with some pretty amazing people along the way. And then, and I'm sure it's people that you are, or rather I'm sure it's artists and musicians that you, some of whom you grew up like listening to, or even like being friendly with and like to kind of divert slightly, what were your earliest experiences with music? And uh, obviously that helped because you were working in like the punk rock scene and the skate scene. But I mean, musically, like what did you have? Did you have a musical upbringing at all or is it just something that you just kind of discovered and soaked in i always bring up like if i go way back bring up my dad's record collection you know it was pretty decent and definitely for me it was all about the artwork and the packaging because it was all late you know mid 60s late 60s lps and they were you know they had the budget and the you know will to make really beautiful album artwork back in, in that period. And so that, you know, I liked the music, but like certain album covers and would just catch my eye and I would spend time with the covers. So that was like the initial exposure to the idea that art and music go together. I mean, one of those albums being Arthur Brown, which a couple of years ago, I got to do some work for Arthur Brown, but like, I distinctly remember pulling his that album off the off the rack and um, tripping out on that. And then yeah, I mean, once I started making my own choices, it was I got into punk pretty early. So it was like, or all the early punk stuff. I have to credit my my dad's collection, you know, all the, like the cream albums, even though like I didn't, the music didn't like totally appeal to me as a kid. I, I recognized the hand drawn covers and the even the liner notes and everything, I would just pour through that stuff. And I think that was, that was pretty influential. Makes sense. Cause like your work is just like super hyper detailed and to go over yeah. something like that, you probably find like all sorts of like little things hidden in there. And it's like from that period of time where like the full album, I don't mean like just the full music album, but like the whole uh, presentation of the, the case and the artwork that was the whole package that was part of the experience, which is not to say that I think that punk was, you know, punk rock and hardcore didn't do that. They did it in their own way, but in a much, much more stylistically different. I always felt like a lot of punk was 
it's very chaotic. It's very black and white sort of neutral mm. colors compared to like, you know, that era of stuff where it's like very bright and very colorful with a lot of life to it. And, you know, there's nature and I, I don't, and I don't know if it was just them responding to whatever stimuli they were maybe on at the time or whatever, yeah. what they were going for. Whereas punk always felt like such a response to the industrial world and sort of like evolving you know threat of like capitalism and shit like that yeah i mean one of my first albums that i bought on my own dime was a dead kenny's album the bedtime for democracy and that one had the whole newspaper in inside and everything and um i just like punk it definitely like it definitely had an influence on me and then in later later years like in my high school years i was i was going to a lot of shows where like we'd go to shows in western massachusetts or uh, different areas of new of uh connecticut and um there was sort of this like period where people were doing a lot of like their own screen printing there was sort of like that ebullition scene i don't know it was it was like a lot of real handmade seven inch covers born against from new york being one of the bands rorschach they had a real like diy approach and that was really influential on me for sure. Um, there was a lot of zines floating around, a lot of like thrift store t-shirts that were then like crudely screen printed and stuff. And for me, that was really important because I saw that you could just do it. And I think that was a huge, um, that was a huge realization for me. Um, and so that would be like the sort of very early nineties. There was a period there where I was, you know, I, I was still in Connecticut, but I had a car. So I was getting out <laughs> a little bit and, and getting to see stuff that was pretty, pretty influential for me. But as soon as I kind of, as soon as I could, I, I for some reason, I thought the Bay Area, Bay Area was the place to go. And it was because it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is your process to developing a piece? And has that process changed? over the years, um, I would imagine so just as you became more in touch with kind of like the style that defines you mm -hmm. now. There's a lot of variables. Often the, the client band, whatever would give me the initial ideas and I would equally have, ideally I'd have my own sort of ideas to start with and then just pretty traditional, like you'd imagine sketches. And then, you know, there's a dance that has to be done for, to get me to the point where I can like ink the drawing and which mm -hmm. I still do on a panel with India ink and a crow quill nib, which you, you know, you dip in the ink and then I use a scratch knife. It, it's just like a very, once I reach a certain point, there's kind of no going back in a way. So when I'm ready to ink, that's when I'm like, okay, this is it. Yes or no. You know? So it's like, it's pretty precarious until I get to that point And then I ink the piece by hand. And nowadays I, I bring it into the digital realm after that. Whereas when I first started, there was still a little bit of the digital file uh, set up, but nowadays with the, with the iPad, I can bring it in there and do other, do more to it. But the, I always want the skeleton of it to be hand-drawn because I think you can really tell, even though it gets filtered through like, you know, digital file uh, preparation and then screen printing or digital printing like however it's printed it's like another filter but i still think that the hand drawn line retains like this quality that you just can't do on the ipad but i do add to a piece or alter a piece on the ipad nowadays because it's just so it's such a nice thing to be able to do it, it really helps and it makes things a lot faster in in, in that end part where you're like kind of in Photoshop or, or on the iPad, it's just like, it's a lot easier to be drawing on the screen now, you know, and then the final sort of stages depend on what it is, you know, often with my career, it's been a screen printed poster. So like, that's a whole setup and that's sort of an analog process. And it kind of brings it back to this analog looking thing, which I like. Yeah. It's a, it's a collaborative process with the band and, the, and, and then, uh, you know, there's differences in, approaches some people really really want to manage you know what you do which is fine some people want you to just do whatever whatever mm -hmm. you think you know i'm lucky enough to get to the sort of a point where i can kind of usually kind of take liberties and and really go off 
do my thing. And then I always have to, I always come back to the client or band and show, show them and then go from there. It varies. There's a lot of stuff that can, uh, there's a lot of stuff that can go sideways or it can go really well. It's a big part of the whole thing. Like that process of getting the sketches done is a huge part of it. And I think a lot of artists actually get frustrated and it's easy to get frustrated by it. So it's a learned, that's a big part of the process that I had to learn because I did go to art school, but it feels like a di it was a different era. Like, I feel like, I feel like things have changed and I feel like the turnover rate is a lot quicker and the money is a lot less because Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I went for illustration and, and the idea back then was that you could maybe do the cover of the New Yorker. I am an illustrator, but like what I've done, what I do is like so varied. And so, you know, there's so much stuff that I didn't know I had to learn. So like even to this day, you're still kind of picking up things along the way and yeah, figuring, figuring it out, eternally figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's cool because it, that part of it, it kind of, diffuses my time in a way because if I'm just at the drawing table all the time I get a little bit you could get burnt out so having different things to do and different challenges is really cool I kind of like it I think it's uh interesting that you've kind of you I mean many people have obviously but I, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there still that sort of like you know lament where technology is bringing us and mm -hmm. and how like it's just much easier for I mean, literally anybody now to just grab their phone, download an app and put a couple of images together. And suddenly you have like something that looks close to drawing or, you know, a cartoon that you made. I think it's cool that you've been able to like find an, uh, a good, a good like uh, middle point where you're still, like you said, you have the background. And I think you need that because with your style, it needs that organic fluid nature to it so that you can see like, that a human hand put this down and you know it's just very like you can if you really wanted to you can get like laser point accurate and fix things with that and i still i like to see some of the the process in in um in artwork you know i'm a big fan of like a sort of like a scratchier style for comic book artwork for example mm -hmm. um a lot of i like a lot of the sort of european uh artists approach to things like you know and somebody like Mobius, like that's, I like that kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, it's a lot of detail, but it still has like a very like beautiful organic quality to it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's just, but at the same time, I also feel like there's no rules. Like if your process is entirely digital, like on your phone, whatever it's, I think what matters is the end result. Mm. And it's just, sometimes I, I feel like because of the process I've developed and the like sort of like you, you end up getting known for a certain thing. And then I, so I end up getting known for like highly hyper detailed stippling and what, and then it kind of corners you into like this really hard, like laborious process that you sometimes like want to get out of. It's difficult sometimes, but um, the, like the iPad and stuff like this, like alleviates the, pressure a little bit um, mm. to where, like I said, you can, I can do the drawings and then bring them into that zone. You know, a poster ends up being like nine, uh, like 90% hand drawn and then 10% thrown in on the iPad. And often that will be the lettering or like the border or something like that. Essentially it doesn't matter in the end. So yeah, it's interesting, man. I, not it's not to say I don't enjoy the drawing part. I really, really enjoy the drawing part, and that's the heart of the whole thing for me. But um, it takes a long time to do these things. Obviously, you love what you do, but everybody also probably. I'm sure a lot of people want to work with you, and I'm sure you want to be able to give them something. At, and it's just this ability to kind of shave off a little bit of time so that you can give everybody else that time. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, because what you know. When I first started doing posters, I know what took so much longer with the mouse, using the mouse in mm -hmm. Photoshop compared to now when you can just use the stylus on the iPad for certain right. things. So anyway, it helps a lot. That said, I still want to always be sure to keep things hand-drawn. Definitely. And I guess, you know, just to talk about your, your style for anybody that doesn't, you know, know it, 
you know, I, I tend to think about this like small group of artists from within this subgenre, people like Mercer and Eric Roper, who you've collaborated with, Skinner, uh, Santos, but like kind of unlike the vast sci-fi and fantasy landscapes that Roper does that, you know, have kind of like a vague narrative to them with or without context to the music. Your style to me has more of like this odd traditional approach to it. I described it as painterly because I think it features more of like an abstract quality to it, not quite like Dali levels, but I could see how that could be like an influence on you. And like some of the recurring themes of it are animals, specifically like birds and snakes, plants, skulls, a lot of religious imagery, people wearing like intricate masks or ornate masks and revealing like kind of who they are underneath them. So like, can you comment on that at all? Probably just goes to the stuff that I love the most, you know, symbolist artwork or Austin Osman Spare or Ernst Fuchs or Takato Yamamoto. These are all people who are kind of uh, using the elements that you're just, you described. Um, and I don't know. I just think that um, it very slowly shifts as I go on, but I can look at an early flyer I did for High on Fire or something and pretty much see the same elements, or at least I knew what I was trying to do and I can see that I'm still trying to do it. It's hard to explain like what really planted all these icons in my psyche, but I just, yeah, they just kind of come out. I mean, it's, it's def a lot of it's intentional, of course, compared, you know, depending on the, on the band or the, whatever I'm doing. But, um, for instance, right now I'm working on a project with the poet Jonica Stuckey. And, you know, so I have this epic poem to directly pull from, you know, so there's so much material, you know, any band with the lyrics, there's the same thing. Or um, it's like I, 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 I sort of like gather a bunch of things and then I sort of edit them out. And then in the end, I try to come up with a, the, the right composition like every 10 years or so I can look back and see it all kind of the way it all fits together and mm -hmm. the phases I kind of go through. But I still, I still think that, or at least people tell me they can tell, like they can look at a flyer of mine from 1998 and s know that it's mine, you know? So mm -hmm. that, I don't know, it's kind of cool, but it's something that I don't really know too much about because it's my, you know, it's me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like someone like Eric Roper, the way he can create a world or a character I can't do it. Like, it's just not like he is a master at that. And, you know, that's so cool. Like, I love that. You know, anytime I was doing sleep art, I was just doing Eric's characters in my own way. That's a major, really amazing skill he has like that. And then to put it down the way he does, it's so amazing. Yeah. And we'll definitely touch on uh, mm -hmm. some of that stuff for sure. If you have like, I don't know, say like five bands, you know, that want, or artwork you have to like kind of go into your like mental library and say like okay you know uh like religious imagery or mythology works here but can't do it for this one it has to be like sort of ominous and like mm -hmm. spooky but still beautiful but that's not going to work for like these guys or something like do you have to kind of like go through that to make sure you know like what works and what doesn't work and i assume that's if the band doesn't have as much to say or maybe they have a lot to say yeah no it's it's true i mean it's a big part of the job you know you just have to sometimes sometimes to me i can like really go off and do what i envision other times i have to kind of rein it pull it back a little bit definitely religious type stuff doesn't fly for most people or bands with ohm for about 10 years or whatever i was able to really do a lot of stuff that i really wanted to do really wanted to draw i mean and for the most part i can i'm pretty lucky in in having worked with bands that i can stand behind or would like really want to draw for if there was something i don't know if i found myself doing something for like like a very dark satanic vibe i could do it but it wouldn't be as exciting for me or or truly like what i want to draw but you know you find yourself or i find myself doing that in a lot of different ways in different situations but I have to say, yeah, I've been pretty lucky with the bands that I've, I've worked for, worked with. And the process is really fun. 
Well, maybe that that would be that's a good um, segue into that. Well, actually, one one last kind of question about your art style mm -hmm. was um, the way and you had talked about it when you're talking about using it going at it digitally. Like, is your approach to using color like even the stuff that's black and white? It's very vibrant and eye catching. A good way to describe, I think, your artwork in terms of the color palette is contrasting. Like everything has a very like specific look to it. Like you know, this no matter how small it could be, it could be like I don't even know, like somebody's hat or like the the saddle of a horse. Like even if it's a brown, it stands out against whatever color the horse might be or something mm -hmm. like that. Like I just think that's what's so interesting and cool about your art is just how vibrant it is. Uh, that's why I say painterly, because I think of those, you know, the classics and how the, all of that stuff pops and how it, mm. it just stands out. You know, it's sort of like this, in a strange way, sort of like a like a odd melding of like, you know, the, the bright pop colors of a Keith Haring, but done through like the lens of Dolly or something like that. I know I keep saying Dolly. <laughs> no, it's cool. I love Dolly. Thanks. Again, it depends on the final, the way something's printed, because... If it's a poster, it's screen printed, and that's one way of choosing colors. But if it's an album cover, it's a digital, you know, digitally printed thing in the end. And that's another way of designating a color. So I'm most used to the posters because that's just kind of how I, what I kind of came up with mostly. It's, it depends on the printer, you know, you have to communicate with the printer. And there's a whole, there's a whole side of things where it's very technical and, you have to have, a, if you have a great printer, which I've had in over the years, um, that's what the color, that's how the color goes. And as far as the, the drawing goes, you know, you just try to balance the black and white and you, you know, there's things you can do to make it pop. And then uh, on its own, even as a, as a, as a, you know, a black and white drawing. And when it's a, when it's a poster, you know, I, I don't know if people know about how screen printing works, but it's basically like a sandwich of colors and then the the black line like essentially the drawing goes last and that's it you know so it and that's a whole thing that took took me a while to develop and get used to and anybody like like brian or or eric they it's like a whole sort of technical side of things that you just have to learn or you know none of us have anybody doing it for us really so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen it in action, and uh, it's an interesting process. You know, I did a little bit in high school in my art yeah. class through school. I should have gotten more into it, honestly, but yeah. it seems like a very fun and rewarding experience, but just a lot of work too. I love the printing side of things, but you can't—I don't can't imagine doing both. You know, for a while there, I was living at Monolith Press in Emeryville, and they were giving me. Uh, time on the press after hours and stuff. So I learned a lot in that period, but like to continue doing that, it's just a whole lifetime of mm -hmm. skill and, you know, there's only so much time, but I do love it. I have uh, other printing presses here at my studio that I use that are not poster presses, but smaller presses. And I love, I love doing it in my free time. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we can talk about some of the bands and like maybe some of the stories around them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think obviously like probably, you know, the one that most, a lot of people would know you for is working with sleep. And I feel like your artwork, you know, elevates them, no pun intended, but definitely intended to another level. And that's kind of what is so cool about them to me. Like they really fully embrace the visual art element of the band and get the best people to work with. And like, even you were talking about it before, like you are able to take a character sort of as ridiculous as the Weedian or the marijuana and bring it into this like very next level more, I don't even know how to describe it. It just, it, it gives it like a level of credence that you kind of wouldn't expect to have, you know? Like you think of a character like Eddie from Iron Maiden and like Eddie rules. I fucking love Eddie. He's awesome, but it's almost always just so bombastic. He's a tree monster. He's a soldier. He's a, you know, a back alley hatchet man. And like, you know, the marijuana, it's kind of, or the weedy in there. It, there's something about it that grounds them, but even though it, remain, it remains fantastical. Yeah. I mean, again, that's all, you know, Eric Roper and, and Al Cisneros at the time of, you know, when they were working on the official 
release of Dope Smoker back in the day, I guess now. And it was, you know, it was their collaboration and, and then Eric just for taking it further and further. Now it's become a thing that other people are doing, you know, it's like, it's an established character. Totally, in my opinion, totally, it's totally up there with Derek Riggs and Eddie and uh, Roger Dean stuff with Yes. You know, it's like, it's this pairing that happened and it's, it's amazing. Really good, man. And that's all credit to Eric. You know, I just, I was lucky to get to do stuff over the years. It's amazing. It's really cool what they, what they did. It's pretty rare, you know. You can only really think of like a few examples of that. Yeah, I would give all credit to Eric and, you know, Al's ideas and lyrics. Again, I just feel really fortunate to have done some of that stuff. And for me, you know, it was, it was when Om, Om got going. I did a, I did a poster in like oh, 07 or 08 or something like that. And that Om kind of gave me the, platform to do stuff that I felt like I was sort of able to, you know, develop over the years and stuff. And again, that's Al and me. And we just, you know, we worked, worked together for a long time. And I used to even travel with them and sell the posters. So it was like a, it was a, a real cool collaboration there for a while. I don't think you can talk about uh, sleep without mentioning Ohm because your mm -hmm. artwork I feel is like almost as crucial to that band's existence as the music. It, like you just said, kind of seems like you're like the unofficial fourth member of the band because it just like captures what Al is into, you know, the most. And, you know, obviously there's been lots of other people who have done work for sleep and Ohm and over the years, and it, it's all very cool and whatnot, but it's so like, you know, specific it's such a specific bit of imagery and um, I imagine maybe not always like the easiest sell for people, you know, there's mm -hmm. probably a lot of people look at that and say like, I don't really understand this. It's like, seems like, you know, religious and all this like animals and shit, but like, yeah. you know, to me, it, it, it really harkens back to that era of like, you know, sixties psychedelic rock and progressive rock. You know, I was talking to a friend about it and I said, you know, I think Ohm is way more indicative of prog rock you know, than what probably most people would think of, you know, with prog rock to some degree. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really good period for me. And, you know, I, I don't even know how many posters we did. We did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I was looking at like all of them. I mean, I have, I, I'm lucky that I have a couple of them and cool. they're just, you know, amazing to look at. There's one in particular that a friend of mine was nice enough to send out to me. It was um, a very long poster for um i think it was from 2019 mm -hmm. was on tour with woven hand it's this very like tall like yeah. almost like vertical banner of uh people walking through the desert on camels and yeah hard to find a, a frame for that one but yeah sorry. <laughs> that's okay sometimes the an idea just calls for a odd size whereas the you know the typical size is 18 by 24 which usually works but Sometimes you just want to do an odd, odd one. <laughs> and sort of like just a side note to that, like, have you ever had an experience where like you, you know, Mercer said this on the episode I did with him where he went over to someone's house and they said, here's the Mercer wall. And he kind of had this moment where he's like, oh man, like he got kind of lightheaded and sort of was like, this is really fucked up to see like all my shit on your wall. Like, have you ever had an experience with that where you've just like seen it all laid out and been like, wow, that's like everything I've done, man. No, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, not, not like that. There's been a few moments. There's been a few things like events or something where I've gotten a lot of stuff together and it is interesting to step back and look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, also I'm surrounded by it all day, every day. You know, right. I do, <laughs> I do a lot of mail order on, through my website and you know, it's like, it, it's cool to see it like in a, in a different setting or in, in a public setting or um, there's a cool um, brewery in Illinois who collects myself and Eric and probably some of Brian's stuff. Anyway, they sort of have this whole brewery uh, restaurant covered in our work, nicely framed and stuff. 
it's really cool to see that though I haven't been there but also you know it's cool when it a poster will pop up somewhere where you don't expect um just to know that the stuff gets out into the world it's not like an ego thing it's just like just to know that stuff gets dispersed because I've sold so many posters I don't you know to, just to see it one show up somewhere is really cool to go back to ohm too like the uh sort of like the definitive logo of the band the swan cobra with the flowers you know that's <laughs> that's of your design and uh kind of taps into like al's last name right to some degree and i know he has a tattoo of it on his hand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are basic vedantic symbols so it's mm -hmm. if you look at the vedanta society any you come across an old book at the bookstore and it, you see vedanta society on it look at the look at the little uh logo it's it's pretty much those elements so that's kind of what i was pulling from and it was just one of those things that became like the 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 image for ohm and i didn't know that you know i think when that happens i don't know that the artist knows that's going to happen you know it just does but yeah I'm, I'm proud that that the way that symbol has made its way into the world and yeah i couldn't ask for like a better situation with a better band or the ideas behind it and, and it's something i I'm really proud of for sure. And now to kind of like go outside of the room of stoner doom and whatnot, you did a piece for uh, dinosaur junior for a Saskatoon show in 2009. Mm -hmm. And it's this interesting, like hybrid of actual photography and your artwork. Is that sort of like what your old like zine day artwork was representative? Cause I felt like that was kind of that now that I know that I'm like, Oh, this is sort of like, you know, you're sort of meeting yourself like halfway where you're like, this is where I am, but I'm dipping back into where I came from to do this. Yeah, totally. That's exactly it. I remember doing that. And I, I just, I photocopied a bunch of stuff out of my sketchbook and I, I blew out some photos and just, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to look zine like that's totally, uh, that's exactly it. <laughs> I think every once in a while I I do kind of embrace a little bit of that stuff again, because I really like like rough edges. Mm -hmm. And the way photocopiers used to blow out imagery, blow it out, meaning like make it really contrasty. I do, I do use that kind of stuff still. And it's not as like apparent as in that poster, but like a lot of my stuff, if you see the border or um, even the lettering, it, it'll be scanned out of an old book or a old, some old paper ephemera that I find at a, at a, at a junk sale. And then I, I take it and I, I you know, scan it in and then I use that kind of stuff. And it's like not something that anybody would necessarily notice, but to me it adds like a, a layer of um, grit and authenticity because it's like actually a little detail that I scan. It's kind of, uh, I can like trace that line going all the way back to, you know, 80s photocopiers. To some small extent, I'm still doing that kind of stuff. And another one that it's, uh... The Jesus Lizard, also in 2009, mm -hmm. uh, from an LA show. So this, like, uh, like looking at this, just to me screams old school punk rock hardcore mm -hmm. because it's just a tiger within a circle border, just very pissed off, uh, and that just feels very old school to me. And to, mm -hmm. you know, it's very like it's kind of against your normal style because it's mm -hmm. very, you know, it's kind of trapped within this circle it's very like defined borders um but it still manages to have like this very like like almost uh like just wretched um aggression to it which is a good mm -hmm. way to describe the jesus lizard <laughs> yeah yeah i think so like i i think like those posters and a few others from back then i was experimenting a bit more because there would be these like tour series where um there'd be like sort of a manager type who would assign like a artist for every date of a band's tour to do a poster. I feel like I was getting a lot of those when I was kind of first starting. So I was kind of experimenting more, you know, not that I didn't care about the poster, but I was like trying to, I don't know, just do some interesting stuff. And also during that period, I was printing my own poster. So I was able to experiment a bit and let them be a little bit sloppy and stuff. So yeah, that's, um, those are two posters you mentioned that I wouldn't even wouldn't pull out if someone's going to ask me 
to see my old posters, you know, but they are, yeah, they are kind of interesting. Yeah. I think they just like really help showcase that like you can go outside of your normal kind of boundaries and, yeah, you know, tackle something a little bit different, you know, yeah. call, call back to your roots. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like there's a thing about, you know, sort of first starting, like my first, I'd say official, like big poster was for Queens of the Stone Age in 2007. So that's kind of that era. It was a period where I was kind of experimenting more and getting more work for bands that, you know, I didn't have a lot invested in. It wasn't like an own poster or a sleep poster. It was like, you know, good, great bands. And I was honored to do them. But like, I, I was definitely like a little bit looser with the, with the stylistic stuff. There was actually another one that I just uh, saw that like kind of caught my eye. Um, yeah. Oh, um, Chelsea Wolf and True Widow. Um, I'm not sure when this one is from, you know, Chelsea Wolf kind of, you know, you think of, a, you know, the immediate imagery is like very dark, not like, not quite morbid, but sort of like, there's this like melancholic beauty to it. And uh, mm -hmm. your poster of that is like, absolutely not that, you know, it's a, a, a woman, within, you know, uh, some flowers and like taking off this sort of like pan mask with a number of butterflies holding an apple. And I, it's this really beautiful f uh, fantasy image, but you know, and there's, I don't know if there is a story there or not. And it's kind of regardless because it just kind of makes you think like what is going on. And it's, I assume it's just sort of open to whatever interpretation you would like to to look at it. I just didn't even notice yeah. there's actually a snake on the mask. It's very cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, I was trying to do, I was kind of paying homage to a Rossetti uh, painting. He was a symbolist painter, Pre-Raphaelite painter. And I felt like maybe she, like Chelsea Wolfe, like had that vibe, like a dark symbolist vibe, but it actually didn't go over that well. It was not like goth enough. Mm -hmm. okay <laughs> yeah you know i i'm pretty into it i think it's a decent poster and i actually knew i was buddies with true widow more than chelsea wolf so i think i was kind of doing it through them i kind of missed the mark actually i remember realizing at the show like oh man like this is not people aren't that into it so i think for better or worse it could have gone more like gothy and then it would have probably captured the vibe more for her fans like that's an example of where I was trying to get more, get a little bit deeper with it. Like, cause like symbolists were really gothy. They were like original, like, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think these parallels, like they, they make sense in my head. And then I, I put them down to paper, make the poster. And then I realize, Oh shit, that didn't really work. But mm. it, it's, you know, that's the way it goes. It's, it's like, you don't always like totally nail it. And you know, like sometimes you end up doing a poster and you end up having boxes of them forever. Even when you put it up, put it in all 100% of it, you know, sometimes you just like, you just don't always uh, stick the landing once in a while. And there's yeah, nothing really you can do about, excuse me, nothing you can really do about it, except be like, well, just try not to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it, you you do end up doing it again, because mm. I think it has to do with what you might as the artist, what you might see in a band is not what the majority of the people who would buy the poster are seeing. And imagery is weird that way. Like you could, you could easily do something that's like very goth and you know, it's not that hard, but within that you could do something really cool, of course. But like, I was trying to be a little bit more like curate the influences a little bit. And it just kind of, I, I, I mean, I still think I'm okay with the poster as a poster, but I think in for those shows, it kind of fell flat. Also, the like, the the font and the text is just like very intricate and immaculate, you know, very like, old school text. And um, do you, you do a lot of work with titles and logos and specific fonts? Do you find that more challenging than the drawing aspect of it? Yeah, sometimes it's it's a real hang up. Like sometimes it's almost impossible to get it, to get it right. Or the way I kind of see it in my head, it could go either way. Like sometimes if you're working with a band, they want their existing logo on there, which sometimes that's really hard. Or on the other hand, if you're, if you're asked to just make up your own or something like that, then it could be challenging. Like it's not my bag, you know, I mean, I can do it, but sometimes more successful than others.
Um, I like to find old fonts or do sort of pseudo calligraphy type things, um, mm. anything by hand. And then if it's an old font that I scan out of a book, I will then go in and like change it or rough it up with my, with, with, you know, on the tablet. But, um, yeah, it's totally, some people are so good at it and I envy that. But again, I think that's almost like a whole lifetime of, um, skill to cultivate because it's like a font design and, and, you know, page design is like a whole nother thing. <laughs> And I, yeah, I have a little, yeah. I can, I can get by, you know, but like some people are really good at it. It would be amazing to, to team up with somebody who, who is good at it. Like on that last sun poster I did, um, Stephen O'Malley was willing to do the type part of it. And I was like, perfect because, you know, he, that's what he does. It was amazing to be able to just do the drawing, send it to him. And then he did, he put the logo and type down. That's cool. That's a really cool like bit of collaboration there. Yeah. Yeah, kind of getting you know, specifically what you want. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the same, it, that's how it works with collaborations or at least good ones. Like with Roper, you know, like there's, he's great at certain things and then I can kind of get by on others. So it's like, you know, a good collaboration kind of, you just kind of put those skills together and it can come out pretty cool. So, and he's great at lettering. Uh, my friend Alan Forbes is another amazing artist. He is the best at lettering hand-drawn lettering <laughs> so if i ever do a collab with him it's he's doing the lettering no question <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck alan yeah so you've also worked with a number of big festivals that are like you know kind of like mainstays of the heavy music subgenre like road burn levitation and psycho las vegas does that experience differ at all from, compared to working with a band or is it kind of just like sort of the same animal? They all differ in all, all sorts of ways. But I'll, I'll say quickly, um, the Roadburn in 2011, I, I dealt with all the bands directly, which was my own sort of incentive. I just did it. I, and so all the bands approved the drawings for that. So, so that was not much different. But um, something like Psycho Las Vegas was very different because... I, I was doing posters for Alice Cooper, Blue Oyster Cult, and Arthur Brown. And none of those people probably ever saw the sketch, but I did sketches. <laughs> I submitted them to whoever. And then, so it was like an entity. I remember like uh, rather, you know, it was like Alice Cooper, you couldn't use, or, or you, you could only use reference from like these three photos or whatever that, had, you know, it was like really, the parameters were really kind of tight. And I think I did decent posters for, for them, but for all three, but like, that was a different experience because you're dealing with management or like something that's just like, you know, somebody that knows the rules and like can say yes or no to a sketch. That was a big difference. A lot of the time with festivals, you, it gets a little bit like you're going through the festival and they're making decisions and sometimes you can actually run into problems with the bands because they need to also be in on the decision because it's got their name on it. So it can get a little squirrely, but um, yeah, I mean, a, when a successful like festival series is really fun and cool because it's like a big, big collection that you can make with like cool, like through lines and stylistic similarities through a whole series of posters. I'm doing that with levitation in uh, Austin this year and uh, I've done it with a few other festivals in the past too. Awesome. I, my girlfriend has gone out to Levitation a couple of times in the past and she's really enjoyed that festival. Yeah, for sure. Like even speaking on the Roadburn one, like the Triptychon one, which is a another a collaboration with uh, John Dix, like that yeah. is just like, it's insane. There's just so much shit on that thing. And I use that in the kindest way that I possibly can. Yeah. Like it's just, well, and again, it's kind of against your style. Like there's some elements of it that aren't, that don't seem yeah. to be like as, you know, prominent and whatnot. It's a little more like, you know, sort of macabre and scary yes. sort of for well, like a lack of a better word. Yes. I, there's a reason for that. That is the astral mind. That's not, that's not John Dix and I, that's a, a third entity that we've created. It's called the astral mind. Uh, we've done two, we've done two art shows, big art shows, one in um, <clears throat> New York and one in uh, London. And we create collaborative pieces 
we got the chance that year at Roadburn to do the trip to con poster together. So that's like, that's to me a step beyond collaboration. It's a whole nother thing. John Dix, he's amazing. He's a great friend of mine. And like when we collaborate, I think it just, it's becomes a whole nother third mind type of uh, idea. And I think I love that poster so much. Plus that, that Triptychon performance was amazing with full orchestra and it's it was it was a crazy experience yeah i remember seeing the pictures from roadburn in 2019 and being like what the fuck is this yeah. festival this looks amazing and i was like i i've made it now a point that i i must go <laughs> hopefully i will go next year i say yeah. that pretty often on here but yeah it's a it's an amazing piece of work that's such a uh, a cool way to think of a collaboration that like, you know, two people come together to sort of create this third sort of like non-defined, but somewhat existing third entity, you know, it's like yes, how the I art mean, manifests and speak for itself. Yeah, exactly. It, it you know, it, it was started by, you know, Burroughs and Geisen. They called it the third mind and they, they actually, you know, did it a lot with words, with writing and stuff, but we do it with visual art and we just, there's no rules, you know, we're close enough and we're on the same plane in this endeavor that we just kind of have no rules to it. And we go over each other's stuff and pile it on and just, it's, it's amazing. It's a really, it's one of my favorite things I've done in recent years, the whole thing. And it's still going, it'll keep going. We'll keep doing shows and making more posters. Besides all the ones we talked about, is there any one bit of art that you've done for a band that you have a particular fondness for? Like maybe one that you think is overlooked or something? I don't know about overlooked. No, not really. I mean, uh, in recent years, you know, I really like that I was able to do that sun poster. I've been, do I've been working with wind hand a bit in recent years too, which I really, I really like all of those posters. Uh, hopefully more to come. And I don't know, I'm working on some stuff coming up that I think is going to be going to be on my list. There's a album that I finished uh, earlier or late, late last year, which will be coming out soon from a band called Birth. I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think I could I can pinpoint anything specific. I would maybe say that trip to composter, which we just talked about. I recently did a, a triptych, uh, three posters of just pieces that I kind of did during COVID times that don't have band names on them, which, you know, as time goes on with my career or whatever, like I, I, I really enjoy doing stuff that's kind of on its own. Obviously, it's a mm -hmm. lot harder to, to put out into the world without a band name on it, but it's like, it's really fulfilling to me. So that triptych that I did last year, I can really get behind. I also I also released a, a seven inch by a musician called Stephen R. Smith last year. And that was pretty novel because I made all the art and then created all the packaging on my press here by hand with a foot powered letter press and I did everything everything myself. And um wow. it's a it's a seven inch, yeah. And uh you know, I did one with Al Cisneros a few years ago, and this is the second sort of release in that vein. But I'm mm. really proud of that one. So, yeah, there's some there's some stuff I could probably pick out. That being that's probably one of my highest uh, one of the ones that I can really be proud of. But you know, it's a tough sell because it's a seven inch, all hand printed and stuff, and it's like it's hard to it's hard to get that out into the world. Whereas like a new own poster or a new sleep poster, just, you know, it's a lot, there's a lot more momentum behind it, but you know, and right. I'll hopefully be doing more of those too in the, in the coming years. So you have the established cult fan base behind both bands. Like, you know, it's yeah, right there. Exactly. Is there a musician or a band that you would like to do a poster for that you haven't yet? Um, I can't think of anything offhand. Not right now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I spent more time, I could think of something, but I'm always just really happy with whoever approaches me. And, uh, I've been really lucky in that regard. You know, I, I mean, there's, there's probably some great bands I'm not thinking of that I would, I would definitely, uh, 
be really psyched to work for. But no, nothing offhand. Every once in a while, something becomes obvious to me. Like, you know, like I really, I really feel like drawn to a, a certain band or, or a poet or something like that. And uh, it usually manifests. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm big on just like volunteering myself too. I still, I still haven't, mm -hmm. I'm not like beyond that, you know, like I definitely feel that like things happen when you put your, you put your energy out, you know, you, you, you contact people on your own and often with artwork, even more than, you know, an email, you can like send a physical thing or, you know, it, there's a lot of power to that. And, and, there's, there's a lot of power to just like a sincere, like communication in the spirit of like collaboration. You know, I think it, mm -hmm. oftentimes it really, it actually, uh, it actually works. Uh, well, for me personally, um, I would love to see you tackle one of my uh, longtime favorites, which would be Nine Inch Nails, just because I think oh wow you could do something really interesting with a band that is traditionally steeped in like pretty like rigid experimental industrial type artwork. Interesting. I would have never thought of that, but yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Or like, I don't know, just something like off the beaten path, like um, like even like an artist like Dalek, like Run the Jewels or something like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always, always open to that kind of stuff. It's just, you know how it is. Like I sort of like have built my thing within this certain scene or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of the momentum kind of kind of stays within it breaks out a little bit every once in a while, but often those, those opportunities will be more like something out of not band related, like something out of the blue, like converse or something, you know, and it, mm -hmm. and it will simply be because a sleep fan is now making decisions at converse or whatever. So it's still related to the music stuff, but you know, sometimes these things happen where it's like, oh, that's, that's weird. You know, I never saw that coming. That's still pretty cool. I was not even aware of that. Yeah. I've done a handful of stuff with it, like sort of in that realm. I feel like there was a period where maybe it happened a lot more than it does now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned the, uh, the triptych that you did as something that you really liked, but is there anything you know, not music related besides that, that you're particularly proud of or anything in that regard? Let me think, you know, I'm, I'm just starting work on it, but I'm really excited about this collaboration with Jonica Stuckey because mm -hmm. he's a poet who did these live performances um, and he recorded them. So it's going to be an album. That's a live poetry piece with uh, I think a cello, cello accompaniment so for them to make an album out of it i think is really amazing and in this day and age it's going to be really weird but i'm mm -hmm. excited about it really excited um but you know in the way that is kind of music related but it it actually isn't i don't know i don't get a ton of uh projects that aren't music related right now it's kind of like i'm pretty proud of the the little self driven stuff that I do on my letterpress over here. I've done a few like sort of art folios on my press. I've done, I've done like a set of uh, book plates and like I mentioned, those seven inches were really exciting just because I, I get to do every step, you know, from creating the art to printing it here to collating it, putting it together and stuff. So I love that kind of stuff, but you know, I have to balance those little self projected projects to you know keep it balanced with my normal normal work yeah i don't know i get excited about everything that comes comes around it's it's hard to mm -hmm. pinpoint anything kind of like a, a two-parter like when you are working is music part of that process do you have music mm -hmm. playing while you're working on your artwork and if so do you like to listen to the music of the band you're working with or do you prefer to just like put something else on that's not as you know maybe heavy something that's a little bit more atmospheric or what have you i'll definitely listen to the band but not no not the whole time you know it's it's kind of like i have certain stuff that i a certain environment that i like to create when i work and often it's like uh you know more meditative it's a bit more like um dark ambient or drone or Indian classical music or something like that. 
there's like certain stuff that for drawing is really is really important to have going in you know i'll listen to the band but you know that kind of varies it's it's kind of like maybe if i go for a walk with headphones or something like that that's a better time to listen to the band but when i'm here at my table it's like there's certain things i listen to it's either often audiobooks it's not audiobooks it's something a bit more drone drone like mm-hmm. And then just to follow up on that, like, have you listened to anything lately of note, whether it's something old, something you just discovered or something new? If we're talking about doom metal, I would say in the past year or two, I would say just name off a few like uh, Prophetus, uh, Lone Wanderer from Germany, the new My Dying Bride or from last year, My Dying Bride, Evoken. Oh, they haven't done much new, but. I tend to, to like this sort of like, it's a little bit funereal, but it's, you know, not so like rock, rock based. Doom right. Metal. Spiritus Mortis, stuff that's like, again, more sort of droning and repetitive, I think, and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. I listed a lot, sort of, lot of sort of dark ambient stuff. Current 93 is probably my favorite thing ever. It, it varies and it's definitely nowadays not all doom. Although I kind of keep up on it and there's there's some stuff coming out that I really love. Uh, you know, like a couple of years ago, I got to do that Mournful Congregation album and I love those guys. I listen to them all the time. Um, and again, it's very, you know, funeral doom, I guess if you want to call it that. That stuff, that kind of stuff lends itself to drawing, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I, I've really grown to like that stuff and that's probably not music that I would have appreciated when I was younger, you know, yeah. something yeah. you have to, you have to have patience for kind of like let it soak in. Yeah. Been listening to a lot of stuff, editing uh, photos and whatnot. So I'll just run through some of these, um, this band Tyrannus, they're like a, they're a black metal band. Uh, they have an album out this recently unslayable. That was good. Um, Erang is a, Dungeon Synth band, they put out an EP called The Season of Frost. That was pretty cool. Uh, Sackis Tolis from Rotting Christ. They actually just played at St. Vitus recently. Um, put out a solo album that I really liked called Among the Fires of Hell. I listened to Death's Scream Bloody Gore for the first time. Amazing mm-hmm. album. Uh, Nam, re-listened to them. Near, uh, New York. So I, I don't even know really what to describe. Just like a really amazing, very heavy, giant band. Mm-hmm. Joy Division's Closer. Somehow hadn't listened to that. Amazing. Uh, listened to all of Dub's discography on Bandcamp. Excellent band. Um, the new Ufa Mammet album, Fennis, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cosmic Petrification, good cosmic death metal. Really like that. New King Gizzard album was really good. New Little Primus EP was fun. Static Abyss and uh, this other band, High Reef, which um, they're just... I. Again, I don't really know how to define them, but like, I don't know, technical death black metal maybe, but very good. So mm-hmm. lots of, you know, lots of good music coming out, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I, I always feel like I go through like the first few months of the year and I'm like, there's not much coming out. I'm like, there's actually quite a bit of music coming out. It's mm. very fun. You know, it's just, there's just a lot of it. It's hard to keep up with all of it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to plug um, now would be the time to do it. No, it's okay, man. Just my, you know, my website is SamaritanPress.org. Um, and, you know, all the posters that are still uh, around are available there. And if anybody has any requests, they can email me there. The posters are screen printed by hand and they're not reprinted. So anything you see there is like, you know, if it's from 2008, that's like, there's probably, you know, a small stack here of, and they once they're gone they're gone so that's the way i that's the way i do it and yeah that's that's it awesome well thank you so much for the time absolute pleasure to speak with you and uh maybe somewhere down the road just i'll have the the opportunity to at least give you a fist bump uh yeah um but you know i wish you well and i hope that you keep producing all this amazing artwork uh for everyone out there right on thanks so much Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, that'll do it for this chapter of The Diary.